Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Would stand to your feet. Let's get into the Word of God this morning. Everyone say, get it right. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, get it right. If you want to, uh, you know, do it with a little attitude, move your head a little bit while you're saying it, go ahead and say it. Tell the other person, get it right. <laughs> I told you before that if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Because God creates a purpose and wraps a man or woman around that purpose. Purpose is why you exist. If you are alive right now, that purpose still hasn't been completed in your life. There's a purpose for your life. There's a plan that God has for your life. And in Exodus chapter 4, if you would turn there, I want to introduce you to a a part of scripture that I've, I've been... In church, not going to say saved all my life, but been in church pretty much all my life. I've studied the word since, uh, you know, from Bible college as a child to uh, getting my degree in biblical studies and so forth. In that whole process, it wasn't until about 15 years ago did I even find the scripture. I had never saw this. I had never found this. And, you know, if you found it before me, good for you. But, uh, you know, pat yourself on the back. But I had never seen this. I just, for me, I had never caught this. I want you to look in Exodus chapter 4, verse 24. After this whole conversation God has with Moses about going and delivering the children of Israel, we pick it up in verse 24. Moses says, okay, I'll go. He agrees. Check this out. At the lodging place on the way, someone say on the way. The Lord met Moses. Someone say, Lord, meet me. And was about to kill him. He was on the way. The Lord met him. And the Lord was about to kill him. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We get to the culmination of this. After everything is said and done, Moses finally agrees to do what God asked him to do. Have you ever had an argument with God? We just collected offerings, so I'm going to say pretty much most of you did. I don't. I'm saving that 20 for lunch. And so you're, you're, you're going, going in that process of arguing with God or whenever God wants you to do something. And there's this conversation that goes on. There's this battle that takes place. And Moses has had this battle with God. He starts off asking, who am I? When the burning bush speaks to him. And God doesn't answer him with identity. God answers him with purpose. It doesn't matter who you are when God is with you. That's the most important thing is knowing that God is with us. Someone say amen. Amen. Then he asks, "Well, well, who are you? If you're going with me, who are you? Who shall I say is coming with me? And he says, tell him I am has sent you. Everyone say I am. That word I am is not just uh, an explanation, it's an identity. 
And God is identifying who he is. I am whatever you need. I am, I am light. I am hope. I am bread. I am I'm water out of a rock. I'm a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire at night. Whatever it is that you need, I am. And God wants you to know this morning, whatever you need in life, God is. Whatever you need. If you need understanding, you need peace, you need forgiveness, you need provision, you need healing, you need direction. God is still the great I am. Somebody say amen. amen. And then he says, well, what if? What if they don't believe me? And I told you before that I love this, that even if someone doesn't believe that God, that you had an encounter with God, it's not important. I don't need you to believe in my dream for my dream to be validated. I don't need you to believe in my call in order for my call to be validated. I don't even need you to need you to believe in my conversion in order for my conversion to be validated. You might not believe God touched me or saw me or met me, but as long as I know that I met God, I don't give a rip what anyone else thinks. Come on, somebody. And some of us give too much power to other individuals and we want our mom and dad, our brothers and sisters, our family and friends to believe in what we've experienced. And when they don't, it destroys you. You don't need them to believe in it as long as you do. Stay on the path even if other people doubt your encounter with God. Then he tells, tells God, listen, I can't speak. God says, listen. I created you, I created your mouth, and if you, whatever limitations you have, I can take care of that. It's like I told you, if you buy a Mercedes and that Mercedes breaks down, you don't take it to Uncle, Uncle Phil to fix it. You, you take it to the Mercedes dealership to take care of it, right? Uh, if it's a new one. If it's an old one, you might take it to Uncle Phil. But if it's a new one and it's under warranty, you're going to take it to, to the manufacturer. Why is it when our bodies break down or we break down in our minds or in our spirits, we run to alcohol, we run to relationships, we run to, to drugs, we run to things that, 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 that are of creation instead of running to our manufacturer? We have a responsibility. When we break down, go to your manufacturer. It's God. God's the only one that can fix you. Then after all of that, he finally says, you know what, God, send someone else. Just send someone else to do this. I know there's a lot of people that can handle this, and finally God gets angry. I need you to understand, there's times that there's a limit to God's, God's uh, patience. There's times that God gets ticked with us. <laughs> Say it again, Pastor, like I'm about to do with you right now, you know. There's times that God, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. That there are times that we can exasperate the patience of God. And God gets to the point where he's like, I've had enough of you. I've had enough with your excuses. And finally, somebody say finally. Finally, finally Moses says, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. And then he gets on the path that God wants him to go on. I want you to see what happens here. He finally agrees, and then something weird happens. Now, he finally agrees, gets going, and look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 24. At the lodging place, on the way. Somebody say, on the way. I want you to know that on the way, that, that there is a path that God has laid out for each and every one of you this morning. Somebody say amen. There's a path that's been laid out. God has a plan for you. Okay, let me try these, these, these guys here. God has a plan for you. Amen. God has a plan. He's taken time to plan things out for you. I shared in the first service that when, when, I, when I, you know, how many ladies here have ever gone on a date? 
Sister Sandra. If you're considering, um, I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm sorry, man. If you're rich and single and no children, <laughs> any other prerequisites, Sister? Handsome. Yeah. Yeah. And green eyes. <laughs> I, want, I want you to see what, what happens. How many of you ladies have ever gone on a date, and when you go on that date, the dude pulls up and just honks? Oh, listen to that. I got no response from the first service, but these ladies are, <laughs> what? <laughs> then you get in the car. because He didn't open the door for you. You just got in the car, sat down, okay? Then he says this, well, where, where do you want to go? What do you feel like? Oh, I don't know. What do you want to do? How many of you are going to feel like, who is this joker? For some of you guys, you might, might want to write this stuff down, okay? I'm helping a brother out right now, okay? You, you, well, pastor, I'm being spontaneous. No, you're not. You're being lazy, okay? Write this down, bro. Write this down. Now, I want, want, you to, want you to find check this out, because if you love somebody and you value them, you're going to take time to plan and prepare for your time together. If you don't plan for me, listen, ladies, this needs to be your mantra. You don't plan for me, you don't deserve me. You're like, I don't know if I could clap for this. <laughs> You're already done. You already got your man. <laughs> I, I, want you to, I want you to say, if you don't plan for me, you don't deserve me. I'll need you to want, cr- grab a hold of this. God planned for you. God doesn't just drive up, honk the horn, and say, let's go. God literally showed up at the front door with a bundle of roses, was standing there prepared in in a tuxedo, opens the door for you, walks you to the car, opens the car door, sits you in, has reservations at the restaurant already. It's all been planned out. When you get there, your nameplates are already there. He's already ordered and prepared the way for you. Everything has been designed. Everything has been laid out. How do I know that? The Word of God says this in Psalms. It says that your word is actually Psalms 37. The Lord directs every step of the godly, or the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail. God's concerned about every detail of your life. Your dating life, your financial life, your, your, your recreational life. God is concerned about every detail. Not only that, the Bible says in Psalms 119, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light, a lamp into, a light into my path. And many of us want this. We want the whole path lit up before we take a step. But that's not the way God works. He says my, my word is a light, a lamp into your feet. In other words, every step you take, I'll light. If you have enough faith in me to take the step, I'll light it up for you. But you have to take the step. If you take the step, I'll light it up. If you take another step, I'll light it up. But you, I'm not going to lay out the whole path for you because that's where faith steps in. And what we want is we want understanding. But God didn't call us to understanding. God called us to obedience. 
We read the word and we want to understand it all, but without, without, without obedience, you're not going to be able to stir up faith. There's a gap sometimes between what we understand and what the word of God says, and that gap is called faith. And you have to put your faith into action. Look, look what the, the, the word of God says, Jeremiah. I love this because Jeremiah, it, this is what hold, has held me many times in my life. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you future, a future and a hope. That tells me this. Listen carefully. That means if you're going through disaster right now, that means God's plan's not done yet. Say it again, Pastor. We used to have a preacher that we would have come preach here at the church every so often. When he would preach, he would say, man, people would pay a lot of money for this kind of revelation at conferences, and you're getting it here today for free. You need to understand that if you are facing disaster in your life right now, that God's plan isn't fulfilled yet in your life. Because God has plans and God has laid it out for your life. Plans for a future and a hope that God planned things out. He has a plan. God literally took time. It lets me know this, that God literally has thought enough about you and I to make a plan for us. He's literally said, in order to make plans, what do you got to do? Prepare. But what what else do you have to, how, how do you prepare for someone? If you're going to make dinner for your wife, what is the one thing you got to find out first? God knows you enough to know the details, to lay these things out in your life. God has, he, he has to, he's thought about you. He has to sit down and begin to go through the process of uh, of this and that and begin to lay out the details because everything we see in the natural realm is a result of the thoughts that someone had. The chair you are sitting in thought came started as a thought by a designer first before it became something in the physical realm. I need you to understand that you are the product of the thoughts of God. God thought about you enough. Your mom and dad didn't make you. They think they did. But unless you were thought of in the mind of God first, mom and dad would have never been able to produce you. That tells me God has a way. Somebody say a way. See, you are not here this morning by chance, by accident, by mistake or circumstance. You are here by design. You are here by the plan of God. You didn't end up here by accident. See, God loves you enough to plan your way. And I want everyone to say on the way. Now, I want you to see this on the way, that that there is a way, that that on the way, while he's in process, I want you to understand many of us want God to do something in our lives, but we haven't moved. We want, we want God to move in our relationships, in our finances, in our body, but you don't get to the gym, you don't change your spending habits, and you don't get to church. We want God to do something, but you've never got up and started on the way. There's a path that you have to get to. 
There's a path that you have to get on. See, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Christ. I don't care how good of a person you are. I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care even how much you give. If you have not yet received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says there's only what Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus is still the only way. You'll just end up being a good person in hell. And hell's going to, now listen, I don't mean to be funny, but hell's going to be filled with good people. Because it's not how good we are. It's how good he is. And it's about us receiving his goodness of what he's already accomplished. There's going to be some bad people in heaven. Oh, that's messing with your mind right now, huh? (laughs) Because the reality is, it's not how good you were, it's did you receive him? See, God loves you enough to save you in your condition, but he also loves you enough not to keep you that way. There has to be a change. Now, Now, let me take you somewhere, okay? It's important for us to get on the right path. Everyone say the right path. And Moses was on the right path. He did what God asked him to do, and he got on the way. Now, now, now take a look at this. On the way, verse 24, the Lord met him. Now, I don't know about you. How many of you have ever had an encounter with God? Amen? Yeah, I see hands going up. You, ha- you know that you had an encounter with God. And I'm not necessarily talking, thus saith the Lord. I'm not talking about one of those kind of things, burning bush. But you know that you had an encounter, whether it's at the altar, at a time where you were praying, and you just felt like God showed up, where you know that you know that God showed up in your life. When you said the sinner's prayer and you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you knew that God showed up. You had a financial need. I remember a time when me and my wife, we first got married before my daughters came. Now, we were so broke. We were po. We weren't poor. We were po. We we didn't even have the O and R. All we had was a... We were just, we just po. That's all we were at that time. And I wasn't getting paid much. At, I was working four jobs. I was working as a, as a, as a substitute teacher. I was working as a, as a, as a school coach, uh, sports coach. I was working also at the church as a youth pastor. And I was working at a, a, at a boy's home at night. And when we first got married, I would be coming home while she was leaving to work. And when she came home from work, I was, I, as she was coming home, I was leaving to work. So that, that was kind of how we operated. That My four jobs weren't making what she was making in her one job. And I felt like dirt. Now, I, I don't know as a man. I was working hard to try to bring in, try to, try to make my four jobs make what she was making in her one job. But she worked that job so I could stay in ministry. Because I was getting paid $300 a month to be a youth pastor. But those other jobs were secondary to my job as a youth pastor. That was what she wanted. She knew my call, and yet she was willing to buy in and to help support me during that season of life. Man, you you worked hard during those seasons. She was working at a bank, working at lending companies. She was doing all this stuff to to, to support. And I, I felt like, I felt like, I, I always wanted, you know, Latin man, machismo, I'm, I'm the man, I'm going to take care of you, girl. You know, we get married, I'm going to take care of you, and she's taking care of me. 
Now, I remember when the first time I got a check, my one check was more than hers. We're going out to dinner tonight. Foster freeze. And we're getting doubles and a large shake. I felt like the man when I, when I, when I brought that first check home. I, I would just, but I say all that to say this. I remember us as we were, we were eating one night. We were broke. We had finished our final, our, we went through the cupboards and what we had nothing left. Some of you have heard the story. And, you know, when, when we have to be creative, I cook. And so I'm looking through the cabinets. We had a couple strands of spaghetti and one can of tomato sauce. So I made spaghetti. But we didn't have enough to have a pile of spaghetti on each plate. So we took out our fine china that we got for our wedding day. Back then, everyone had china patterns. I don't know if they do that today. Did you pick out a china pattern? No? Then who uses that? Not very many. I should have sold the china to get food. We would have been fine. We had nice plates to eat on, but no food to put on the plate. Man, of times have changed. So we, we took out the plates and never used them. Took out the plates and I put an S of spaghetti down the middle of the plate. Put a drop of tomato sauce on each one. Put out our silverware and we sat there cutting each noodle and dipping it. We were cracking up. We were just like we were like we were rich. We were eating at a fancy restaurant, paying a thousand dollars for this plate. And after we got done eating, we washed the plates. And I'm I'm just feeling like dirt. You know, I have a smile on my face trying to get her to laugh, and I'm thinking, I can't even provide for my wife. We're putting the plates away, and we sit down, and, you know, the house we were living in was right next to the church. The doors didn't even lock. We came home one time. I came walking out of my bedroom, and there was some, some dude sitting in my living room. Like, Who are you? He goes, Hi. It was just, he was, he was an individual from the, na- from the neighborhood that he used to stop there to see the people that lived there before. And he would just let himself in. And he, he, had, you know, he, had, he was disabled, and he would just walk. He became a good friend because we continued to let him come in. But I came home, and he just said, hi. Who are you? Hi. <laughs> Remember George? George was just sitting there. And, uh, but uh, we sit down, and all of a sudden, as we're sitting down, I'm just thinking, God, I, 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 I need. I didn't want to tell anyone what we were going through. I didn't want to tell my parents. I didn't want to tell my family. I didn't want to tell the pastor. And we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, a knock comes on the door. And the door opens. I op- open the door, and there's this guy from the church standing there, your brother-in-law, Mickey. He's standing there with two bags of groceries. He goes, hey, bro, happiest guy in the world. Just thinking about you we're at the grocery store and just thought I'd bring you over a couple things. And I just started bawling. He's like, what's wrong with you? It's just chicken. <laughs> and we're just, just to see God's faithfulness, how God takes care of you no matter what the situation may be. 
You see, the, the Lord meets you when you're on the way. God shows up at times in your life. And I want you to know that God will show up in your life, whether good times or bad, whether happy or sad. God shows up in plenty. God shows up when you're in want. God shows up in the storm. God shows up when it's calm. God shows up in sickness. And God shows up in health. What am I telling you? Is that God is always there. God will show up no matter what you're going through. The Lord met him. Someone say, Lord met me. That, that word literally means God took a stand. And when I see that, when you're right with God, the Lord met me, it brings excitement. But if you're not right with God, it also brings fear. Because that word takes a stand literally means that God took a stand. God was prepared for him to show up. And I love the fact that God loved him enough to show up there. What am I telling you? That God was already there. That when Moses gets there, God was already there waiting for him. I want you to know that in your tomorrow that you're worried so much about, God's already there. God, God's already in that situation. He's already there. He's been there. You see, because God is already in your tomorrow. Say it again, Pastor. God is already in your tomorrow. You don't have to fret today because not only is God here today, but God is in my tomorrow because God is not limited by space or time. God knows all things. God exists outside of time. So he's already in my tomorrow and that very thing that you're worried about. What am I telling you right now? God made the path and the plans for our lives. And there there was an old song that that I heard when I was in Bible college. It used to say this. I don't know what the future holds. But I do know who holds my future. And today, you might not know what your future holds. But I want to encourage you. I do know who holds your future. And if you know the character of him that has your future. Oh, come on, somebody. If you know the character of who holds your future, that he's good, that he's caring, that he's loving, that he's concerned about you. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because he's already taking care of it. And that God is there to stand with you or my friend, he'll stand there against you. God's there already. You got to capture this as I close this morning. See, we think that just because God loves me, that God will never oppose me. How many parents are in the house? How many know that you love your kids, right? But how many know that you'll also stay in their way to keep them from harming themselves? You know what they're going to do. You know where they're headed. And you'll do whatever you have to. You'll stand with them. Now, they think you're standing against them by the position you've taken in the road. And they're trying to get somewhere, and you're holding them back, and they're upset at you. Now, now, your love for me doesn't mean you always have to like me. There are times that we're not always in like with God. We're in love with him, but we're not always in like with God because God doesn't always let us do what we want to do. But God loves us enough to say no to certain paths, to certain directions, because he knows, like a parent, that we're going in the wrong. Don't touch the stove. Don't get involved in that relationship. Don't go down this path. I love you enough to tell you no. We somehow think that love means that we accept everything that you do, that we, that we agree with everywhere that you go, with everyone you hang out with. I love you enough to say no. 
Love you enough to stand in the gap. Love you enough to stand in your way. And this is what, what blows me away as we close this morning. We come to this point. This just caught me off guard. The last part of verse 24 says, and he was about to kill him. What? God's about to kill Moses? The one that he's worked so hard to convince to set his people free? Now he wants to kill him? What, what, what did I miss here? It's not a typo. What am I missing? God, what, what's going on? See, Moses had neglected something. An important detail. And that important detail was called circumcision. Now, now in those days, circumcision was a sign of the covenant. Everyone say covenant. Covenant, that, that circumcision was cutting away of something personal on a male child. And on the eighth day that they were born, they would cut away the foreskin of a male sexual organ as an outward sign of an inward commitment. And the only, you, you didn't know if someone was circumcised walking down the street. I'm going to stop there because everything's funny to me and I can come up with some things right now. But normally you couldn't tell. The only time it was revealed was in times of intimacy. When you unveiled was the only time that you were able to see if circumcision had been done. But this sign of the covenant that was so important, we look at it in 2016 as you know, an option. You know, Some kids do it, some don't. It's not a big deal. But to the Jewish people, this was paramount. This was prior, this was foundational. And so Moses says, I'll go and set the children of Israel free. And he starts on the path and God gets ready to kill him. Why? Because Moses had failed to circumcise his own child. He was getting ready to go out to the nation. While he had neglected things at home. Oh, come, come on, somebody. You got to capture this. You see, there's a principle at work here. You can't lead a nation if you can't lead your own family. There's a principle at work here. You can't set a nation free when your own house is in bondage. There's a principle at work here. You can't raise a standard in public while you're compromising in private. You can't do the work that God called you to do and take a stand in public while in the, at home behind closed doors things aren't right. And God calls Moses out on this. You see, the, the principle is simply this. You can't give what you don't have. And we live in a society today that hates the church because the church has been proclaiming something that we don't produce any longer. We're trying to set them free while we're, our own homes are in bondage. 
We're trying to tell them how to live when we can't even get things straight in our own families. I'm not even talking at home. I'm talking within the church. There are people in the church you can't stand. There's individuals in the body of Christ you don't get along with. I'm not talking about at CWC. I'm talking other churches, other ministries, other places, or even in the ministry here, in the women's ministry, men's ministry, youth ministry. We got people that can't get along, and we're trying to fix the world. How are we going to do that when we can't get our house in order? And you wonder why churches are dying. You know why? It's because God's killing them. You can't represent me any longer. So they begin to die. They die off because they're not getting things right. See, what, what am I talking about? Moses chose to keep peace rather than keep the covenant. His wife was a Midianite. In the Midianite culture, you didn't get circumcised until usually the male was about to get married. And that's usually when circumcision happened. So the idea of circumcising a baby to her was brutal. You don't do that to a child. You're doing it to an adult that knows what's going on. But Moses, rather than circumcising his son, gave in to keep peace at home. How many times have we compromised the standard and the word of God just to keep peace? Well, it's quiet in this place right now. Come on, dads. We have a responsibility to hold a certain standard in the house of God. We have a responsibility to hold a certain standard in our families. We have a responsibility to raise the standard of God. And instead of raising the standard, we have gave in just to keep peace. I want to hear my kids complaining. I don't want to hear my, my wife mad at me. I'm just, just going to keep peace. The problem is this, is that neglect is a sin. Moses neglected to deal with the issue. Just pushed it off. And now at the most unopportune time, he's about to be killed as a result. What, what's neglect? Neglect is knowing the right thing to do, but choosing to ignore it. I look around this place, I see many people that were born and raised in church. You know. You may have strayed off the path, came back again, but there's some things that you just compromised. You're not living anymore. We pick and choose which parts of the word we want to live according to. But that neglect brought Moses to the verge of death. When a marriage shows up and a husband says, Pastor, I need to meet with you because my wife's about to leave. My husband's about to leave. This is about to happen. You know why those things have happened? You know why I'm getting that call of panic right now? And they want me to drop everything from my family to go minister to your family? It's because you spent years of neglecting them that now that they walked out, now it's an emergency and I need to respond. Neglect your body and now all of a sudden your body's breaking down and you're in the hospital. Neglect will kill things in life. When you neglect something long enough, it's going to die. And this is what's going on here. He's on the verge of death. We've got things on life support. So what am I telling you? You got to get it right. Everyone say get it right. You got to get your life in order. 
It's not about coming to church. It's about being the light of the world, the salt of the earth. How can we be salt when we've lost our flavor? How can we shine bright if there's no brightness to our lives anymore? It's not about you. It's about others. Listen to me. It's time to start cutting away those things that have grown on our lives. Circumcision is no longer part of a sexual organ. It's part of the desires of your heart. What ends up happening, read it later on. Moses is so sick, he can't even perform the circumcision. He is so messed up, he, he can't even get himself out of bed in order to perform the right. He's going to die. If he doesn't get up and make sure that this happens, Moses is dead. And the children of Israel, as a result, are going to stay in bondage because of his neglect. So his wife gets up. Somebody say wife. Listen, men, when we don't step up, our wives will step up. That's why I'm grateful to have a woman that's able to stand in the gap when I was unable to. In times when we were going through when my daughter was sick, when I had given up faith, she stepped up to be that faith for me. We, 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 that's why you got you to find someone that's going to encourage you, not just someone that looks good, not just someone that's fine, not just someone that has a great banging body. You need to find someone that's going to support you when things are good and when they're bad, when you're happy and sad and sickness and health till death do us part. You need a, a ride or die, a loyal to the soil kind of person. That's why you guys, you guys... Ladies, stop, stop kissing all these frogs hoping they're going to become a prince. <laughs> Looking for Mr. Right Now instead of Mr. Right. Zephora, his wife, gets up, takes the flint. And she circumcises her son, something her dad, her husband should have done. She does it. And she is so disgusted with having to do it. The Bible says she takes the foreskin of her son and she flicks it at Moses' feet. But ladies, there's times that you do things that you don't want to do. But you know you have to. And I honor you for that. There are things, some, some dirty things you've had to do in order to save your family. Things that you've had to step up in order to bring the family through to save your husband. But I want to tell you for every one of you ladies that are standing in the gap at a time where your man may not be able to do what he needs to do today, I want to tell you I'm proud of you. That you're willing to stand up and you're willing to deal with the bloody things in life. That you're willing to stand in there and do whatever it takes to keep the family going. Your circumcision has nothing to do with a part of a male anatomy. Galatians chapter 2, stand to your feet. Verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And the life that I know or now live, 
I live through the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I crucify myself. Things haven't changed, folks. Listen closely. There's still a way. God still wants to meet you. But most importantly, God still wants to kill you. He's out to kill you right now. And the Apostle Paul understood this dynamic. He's trying to kill his old self. There's an old you God's trying to kill. There's an old you God's trying to get rid of so that the new you could live, so the new you could step into your promises. You know that old selfish you? You know that old bitter you? You know the old you you? That, that old angry you? That old lost you? That old addicted you? That, that, that you that no one else liked, God's trying to get rid of them to raise up the man, the woman of God that is somewhere inside of you. God's trying to raise him up, but you got to let God kill you. How do you do that? Look at Deuteronomy 30. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts. Thank God. Circumcise your hearts. And the hearts of who? Say it again. Who are your descendants? Your kids. Sons, this is why it's so important. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about your kids. I got to cut those things away from my heart. So that my kids could see what a pure heart looks like. I I can get angry and bitter about a lot of things in life. We all can. We can sit here and talk about the things we've gone through. how, How life has let us down. But if we would just stop and recognize that everything that's growing on my heart is going to be passed on to my children's heart. That's why we got to get it right. It's not about you. It's about the generations that are going to come after you. There's some things that have happened to us that should never happen through us. Okay, you you were molested. Sucks. Wasn't right. But we should never allow what happened to us now to happen through us to someone else. Okay, your, your dad was, was a drunk and he was an abuser. He abused you. But what happened to you should never happen through you. And that's what this is talking about. It's cutting away some things, some attitudes, some things that have happened to you, some experiences, or maybe some attitudes, some lifestyles, some, some sins that we've chosen that are no longer choices, but they become part of who you are. God doesn't cut it away. We do. It has to be our choice. So I invite you today. The Lord God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants that you may love him. Somebody say love him. With all your heart, with all your soul, and live. I want you to understand today 
that God wants to circumcise, he wants to cut away, but you have to be willing. The key to circumcision was staying still. Right? Allowing God to do or whoever circumcising to do what they needed to. So a father would have to hold his son to make sure that it was a circumcision that was done and nothing else. If we would just stay in the master's hands today and let God start cutting away some things that need to be removed from our lives, I'm here to tell you that not only will you be set free, but nations will be set free and led out of bondage because you allowed God to do what needed to be done in your life. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.